Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. All right. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. It's hey, 50-50 shot, right? Any, any, <laughs> any, anytime you walk in here in the morning and remember your name, it's a win. <laughs> it's a good day. I'm it's going to be a know, good day. Yeah, I just, um, I, yeah, I know one of these days it's going to be, you're not going to remember. Well, I ate my Snacklins this morning, so I have an extra edge. Sammy from Snacklins. <laughs> Vegan pork rinds. Season 11, episode 4, air date of 10-2019. So there's three ingredients in this. There's mushrooms, there's onions, and am I pronouncing this right? Yucca? Yucca. Okay. Uka? Yucca. <laughs> I don't know. 50 <laughs> 50 shot. <laughs> 80 calories a bag. So these are healthier than what you snack on. Yeah, most of the time. I like these things. I've tried these things. Very, very good. Um, now, this is an interesting business. He's coming in asking 250000 for 2.5%, $10 million uh, on the valuation. The year prior to airing, 200000 of sales. This year, 2019, $2 million of sales. Right. That, that's good. Yeah. That's impressive. Yes. That's very, very impressive. His employees own 10% of the company. Yep. I love that. He owns 30%. He's raised a million and a half dollars. He says he's about 11 to 12 months from profitability. Um, at the time of airing, 90 uh, cents to make one of these things. Uh, they're retailing for between 199 to 229 So very affordable, healthy snack. A lot of times these healthy snacks, you know, it's, uh, it's 10 bucks. Ugh, is it worth it? But I mean, very affordable, so you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting an affordable snack and super, super healthy. So, did he get a deal? <clears throat> he did, he did get a deal. Cuban went out kind of early. Um, he felt um, two and a half percent, the fatal flaw with the deal was two and a half percent. Wasn't worth it to any uh, shark. Barb was out, she just, the food space, is is tough in her mind. Uh, Mr. W out, Lori out, too risky. The valuation didn't make sense to her or Rohan, who was out early, um, and he he didn't think it was viable <clears throat> long term. Uh, but what was interesting is Mark came back in and they settled on a deal five percent plus five percent advisory shares, and uh, they were off and running. There you go. So great to see him get a deal. Great entrepreneur. You're going to love this interview. And afterwards, we'll share with you in the post game some of the great things we learned from this entrepreneur. So enjoy the interview. All right. We're here with Sammy. Snackline vegan pork rinds. Um, they look awesome. Great pitch. Obviously a great company. Really excited to talk to you, Sammy. Let's jump right into it. Uh, and you shared a little bit of this on the pitch. Where did this idea come from? Honestly, it's probably the best joke I've ever made in my life. Um, it's just a joke that's gotten really out of hand. It started off as a bar bet. So I'm a Muslim, and so I've never had a pork rind before. And a buddy of mine joking around, being like, yo, dude, we should create a vegan pork rind. That would be hilarious. And so I kind of had this reputation for just making weird stuff. 
And I was like, I bet I can do this, sure. And so I went back and not really having, you know, any idea of what to do, I really focused on that kind of crunchy, airy texture of a pork rind and the saltiness and stuff like that, and that kind of that umami. And so after a few months of fiddling around, I decided to use some mushrooms, onions, and yucca, and they just magically puffed in the fryer, and my mind was blown. And I guess that's kind of how the snacklin came to be originally as a vegan pork rind, but then as we kind of grew and as people started to buy them, we realized that people weren't buying them for a vegan pork rind because I don't know. I understand the irony and to me, a vegan pork rind kind of sounds gross, but to each their own. Um, <laughs> but people are buying it because it's like a healthy snack chip. You know, it's this crunchy, airy, delicious chip. And so it's kind of funny that, yes, we started off as a vegan pork rind, but now I just sell snacks, baby. That's it. Well, so snack lens appeal to me because I love pork rinds, but at 80 calories for an entire bag, that's got my attention. Yes, uh, and it's, it's the fresh vegetables, man. Like we're using fresh mushrooms, we're using fresh onions. And I just, you know, we always make this example to people like a fresh clove of garlic does not taste the same as garlic powder. So you can't tell me that some weird dehydrated version of a pea or a vegetable is somehow gonna taste as good as these fresh vegetables do, because they don't, you know? And I think that's kind of, you know what we stick by like we we, we always kind of say that we're like accidentally healthy but like purposely delicious like i purposely set out to make a delicious snack i wasn't trying to create a grain-free puff or a gluten-free this or even like you know the vegan pork rind is just kind of a joke really i was just trying to make something delicious you know so, if it wasn't delicious i wasn't going to eat it yeah so most bar bets end in my experience at least with uh a bad hangover and no uh, follow-through <laughs> and you've turned this into a multi-million dollar business so you know, you create something and you're like, hey, this doesn't suck. How did you turn that into a business? Because I mean, you need packaging and you need to manufacture it. Uh, I, I'm assuming you raised some money. So how did this actually turn into a real business? Uh, I would just like you to know that there was a hangover involved. So <laughs> I can attest to that one. Um, but really, I, like I tell people this, like that first kind of couple years of the business was 100% going back to school. You know, I knew how to make a delicious chip and I figured that out. But what I had no idea about was, you know, the, the packaging, right? What kind of packaging do you need? How much does a packaging even cost? Like, I mean, when we were first making snacks, I was literally just putting them in Ziploc bags with like a sticker on it, right? <laughs> and so, you know, moving forward and really understanding that, like a lot of what we do on a day-to-day, -day, and especially a lot of what I do on a day-to-day -day, is just constantly trying to learn what we need to go to that next level. It's almost like you're... You're learning, you're learning, you're learning, and then you hire someone to replace what you've just learned, and then you get back to learning again. Uh, right, wrong, or otherwise, that's our philosophy. You get in there, you get your hands dirty, you figure it out, and then you figure out what you need. Do you outsource? Do you hire for it? What do you do? Um, so you go on Shark Tank. You know How was that experience for you? And then tell us you know, the first couple days afterwards, how did your life and the business change? So... As you probably heard from other people, like you can't really say anything, right? You're under pretty strict like non-disclosures. And so even like my even my parents didn't know, right? They didn't even know that I was taping for Shark Tank, right? And I remember getting out. The first thing I do was by the time I got my phone back and I had a chance to like, make a call, I called one of my investors, like, oh my God, dude, we just made a deal with Mark Cuban. Holy crap, that's awesome, you know. Uh, and then we went out and we humbly had a beer together. He had to catch a flight and then i remember just spending the rest of my night like having dinner in la by myself and just thinking 
every once in a while I'd like order a drink or I'd order a, like I'd order a shot or something. I'd be like, I'm celebrating. Can't tell you why, but I'm celebrating tonight. You know, <laughs> you can't really say anything, but I mean, it was cool. I think that a, it was surreal that first time he emailed us, you know, and the fact that he still emails us all the time, like weekly is pretty nutty to me. Um, but you know, I just think that working with something like that, it's, you know, I don't know. It changed, but I think the one thing it did was it also made me kind of look and you hear these stories about companies that just were on it and they didn't make it through. And so it almost instilled, like instilled the fear of God in me to be like, oh shit, I don't want to be one of those guys. I want to make sure that we actually, and so we just kind of hit the pavement. Like no one on our team even knew about the deal for months. I think one of our marketing people figured out first because he was a sleuth and he was looking through the FedEx shipping history and he saw that we had emailed, we had mailed snacks to Mark Cuban <laughs> and he put two and two together and he was like, I think we signed a deal with Mark Cuban, guys. So, well, but yeah, I, no, you keep it. You have to keep it pretty tight. And so, like, we didn't really let anyone know until you know we were pretty confident that it was going to air. So, well, it's interesting. I mean, our our perspective is skewed because we only talk to people that were on the show. But what I'm suspecting is, you know, I'm sure there's some really good people that tried to get on and didn't. But everyone we talk to is a hustler. They take you know no for you know they don't take no for an answer. They present themselves really well. They've got a great product. They're passionate about what they're doing. And you certainly fall in that category. So, you know, it's, it's, you hear these scary numbers about, oh, all these people apply, but I bet you there's some people that apply that just, you know, don't put their heart and soul into the business and certainly into the pitch. So I'm assuming the deal with Mark went through and you guys have a good relationship. Can you confirm that? I can confirm that. Yeah, no, he's great. I actually emailed him this morning and... He has already emailed me back. Yeah, so I got to respond back to him after this. So we, there you go. Heard, we have heard he is like an Olympian emailer. People are <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I email him and he writes back like 10 minutes later. It's incredible. I mean, that's what's cool. It's honestly, it's once you kind of get into this groove, like it's nice because I'll email him. And if he doesn't respond, that means there's no problems, right? And I had a boss like that back in the day. One of my first big bosses that I had when I worked in, you know, in other industries, he never said a word to you unless it was bad you know what i mean and so like him not speaking to you for six months meant you were doing everything right and so i've kind of just got that thing like if he finds an issue he'll email us back immediately if you really like something he'll tell us immediately if he doesn't respond that means it was just it was cool like great update thanks guys you know but yes he is an olympian emailer and, and i'll like, follow i'll follow his instagram account and then email him and be like dude i know you're out with tiesto right now why are you responding back to me you know <laughs> I was, I was going to say, and, and Mark Cuban really stood up for you, at, at least, you know, we're seeing 11 minutes of an hour or more, but uh, Rohan took a shot at, I think, both your valuation, and he also hate, hated that you're manufacturing the stuff, and he, he thought that was a fatal flaw, and uh, Mark stood up and said, I don't think so. Uh, he was obviously concerned about only having 2.5% of your company, which was negotiated out, but it seemed like uh, Mark loved the idea almost from the uh, first moment, at least what we saw that was edited. Um, but a question for you there, there, and I think it's great that uh, your employees own 10% of the company. They kind of uh, went after your valuation and also your cap table. Has that ever proven you? Own, I think you made a comment on the show that I'd rather own 30% of something really, really great versus 100% of nothing. Has the diminished uh, ownership in your cap table uh, become ever become an issue or a problem for you no i mean it's growing you know what i mean and like i think the quote i said was like i used to own a hundred percent of nothing right right and so i'm completely content with owing with owning something of something right 
Uh, and I think, like, you know, you have to, like, I don't believe in the almighty, like, I'm the genius. Everyone is here because of me. I am the almighty. Like, I'm not that. Like, <laughs> I am here because I had a good idea, yes, but I also had an amazing team. I also had amazing support, you know? And I think that if you don't recognize that, like, it's funny. When an NBA team wins a championship, like, they all get rings, right? And so I kind of look at it that way. Like, our team, we're like a, we're like a professional sports team. Like, if we win a championship, we're all going to get a ring, not just me. You know? Tell me, tell me about what it does to the culture of the organization when the employees own a percentage of the business. Well, I can tell you they're pissed at me right now because I had to delay production to run some tests. So I guess that answers that they have a lot more invested now that it's not just me being like, Hey guys, you want to sit around for three hours? They're like, no, we want to make, we want to make this product. We have bonuses to hit. We have da da da. So, you know, it's good. It, it, it holds me responsible. You know, I'm no longer the CEO of the company. I uh, stepped back from that role years ago just because, you know, I, 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 can, I think that everyone should focus on their strengths, right? And my so, strength so is that tell, tell making us more a product. About that quickly, you stepped away from the CEO role. What role in the table of organization did you step into? So like I said, my strengths were in product development. Like I made the snackling. Like I was good at making that chip. I'm good at making snacks. When it comes down to, the, you know, everything else, the logistics, whether it's the accounting, whether it's the, you know, in, any of that other stuff, like, I'm just not as good as other people at, and I was pretty, you know, self-aware of that. And so it didn't bother me whether or not I was considered to be quote unquote, the boss. I just wanted to be, you know, I don't have to be the star player on the team. I just want to win a championship. Right. And so if you could bring on a better player than me, like I'm cool with that. You like, we've been bringing on some amazing people. Like our marketing team is way more qualified than I was ever. You know what I mean? Like our CEO was way more qualified than me. Like, I'm like, I'm honored to be working with them, you know, and it still humbles me every day that these people decided to come work on this crazy bar bet with me. It's, is it fair to say that you don't have a huge ego? Yeah. Uh, I, I have a pretty big ego, I would say. Um, I'm not going to lie to you about that. He's got yeah. his ego in control. I, I was mean, trying to be sarcastic there. Um, no, but no, but you're very, you're that. very humble in, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I'm going to build a killer team around me and oh by the way i'm going to carve out money and equity out of my pocket for these people so that they're bought into the business and and frankly a lot of people don't do that i mean you're one of the few and, and granted i'm sure there's others that have done it but i can't think of another pitch where it came out that yeah my employees own 10 percent of the business yeah and I, I i mean i'm gonna say this we have like sylvia and pedro like sylvia was our first employee pedro came on shortly after and those two are still with us and I do what I can on a daily basis to make sure that they have everything that they need. Right. And so part of that is like their happiness. You know what I mean? Like I, we're not, we're a small business. I can't just give people a, a million dollars. Here you go. Here's a million dollars. Come work for me. You know what I mean? And so how do you kind of evaluate that? And me telling them like, Hey guys, maybe I can't pay you this year as much as, you know, for the opportunity. But what I can do is I can give you equity in the company. I can help you grow as we grow, you grow as well. You know what I mean? And, I don't know. To me, that just makes sense. Maybe I'm a, I've realized slowly but surely after doing a couple of these interviews that I'm the oddball out, but to me, it just makes sense. You know what I mean? Like why be like my, I have a friend of mine that always told me that there's no point in being the only friend with a boat. You know what I mean? Because then you're always stuck having to do everything. Like, so you want all your friends to have boats that way. You're not always driving. You know what I mean? I think I, I always kind of look at that as my thing. Like, yeah, I want everyone to have a boat.
Well, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, you've, you've created a culture of, of ownership versus, you know, people working for you and, and waiting for your lead. And you bring up a great point too, of, you know, making sure your people have everything they need. Your example earlier about someone that, you know, doesn't talk to you unless there's something bad, you know, how are they supposed to know what their people need? How are they supposed to, you know, be able to give them the resources? Instead, you have a culture of people, you know, just sitting around waiting. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, I don't really know how to respond to that. But yeah, I'm just, you know, I try to do my best, man. I don't know. It's my first time ever owning a business. So I'm trying not to mess it up. <laughs> you're, 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 you know, you're not overthinking it. You're just treating people the way that, you know, they, they want to be treated and how you'd want to be treated. And, and it's, you know, sometimes people overcomplicate this whole business thing. Just treat people with respect and you build a team culture versus, you know, you being the, the owner and, and just having a bunch of people working for you. Um, so, when you aired, you know, it's been yeah, about 18 months or so since, since your episode aired, what's changed in the business, new products, new distribution. What's, what's the update? Oh man. So yeah, we've, uh, we, we've expanded a lot. We just expanded recently to Southern California. We're doing all the Northeast, all the mid Atlantic, you know, we're really pushing there. We just released a new multi-serve bag, which is big for us. Um, that's kind of, if you know, grocery, uh, when, when we started off, we were just making a single, snack size bag of chips. Uh, most grocery stores, that's not what they have. They have like the family size bag, the multi-serve. And so to us, even though that sounds like a stupid innovation, to us, that innovation, like going from small to big was actually probably one of the biggest things that came out of this all, just because it's opened so many more doors. We have a lot more people that are now like, ah, we loved you guys as single serve. Now we can finally sell you guys because you're the same format as your competitors in our store. You know, and I think what Shark Tank kind of did was it helped to almost like elevate us into a sense that we, the competition got steeper overnight. And so we couldn't just, you know, when we were just a local brand in DC, like it was fine. It was whatever we were doing great. But once you start playing with the big boys, then we realized there's a lot more to do. And so, you know, really like focusing on those flavors, focusing on all that stuff. That was, you know, that was a big push for us. What are the next uh, 12 to 18 months look like for the business? What are you focused on? So me personally, I love making snacks. So I focus on the factory primarily. Uh, I'm literally running tests right now. So they keep on poking their heads in at me, seeing if I'm done yet. But um, wait, you guys can wait. Uh, but yeah, no, I love making chips. And I think for me, it's really going to focus on efficiencies and really how can we make this? You know, I think one of the biggest issues that I find that natural brands run into is that they're way more expensive than the standard band, the conventional brands, right? And when it comes down to it, yes, a mom would rather maybe have a bag of snacklins in her kid's lunch bag and her kid's lunchbox than a bag of chips, but the chips cost like half the price. You know what I mean? And I get that. And so for me, it's really focusing on driving that price down, like making it not just healthy, like great, we're healthy, we're snackable, we're delicious, but how can I make it accessible? And I think accessibility is really what I'm focused on for the next like 12 to 18 months. Two final questions, because I know you've got more important things to do. <laughs> uh, number one, you have such a cool story. What can the entrepreneurs listening to this learn about you, take away from your entrepreneurial journey that they could apply into you know, their lives and their business? I'm going to say this. If you have an idea and you tell it to like, find your most basic friend, like find your aunt, you know, your aunt, that's just not cool whatsoever. No matter what happens, like ask her. And if she goes, that's a how great you, how idea. How do you know my aunt? 
because <laughs> your aunt seems world. a lot like mine. <laughs> anyways, you know what I mean? Like, I try to find it. And, like, when I told everyone about the idea of snacklands, I was like, yo, I'm going to create this vegan pork rind. They go, dude, that's a stupid idea. That doesn't make any sense. Like, good luck. And I think that I have a lot of people that say, but all my friends told me this is a great idea and they don't do well. I think that, like, you need to have that outlandish, crazy idea because I always give the example that in every region, there's like 45 independent cookie companies right because anyone can make cookies and everyone's like oh well, i sell them at the farmer's market i sell at a couple stores like if you're just coming to me with a cookie that's not enough like halo top didn't just come with ice cream they go yo we just changed the whole ice cream game we reduced all the calories you know what i mean like that's what differentiated them so like i always say like find a differentiator like and for us it was yes we're the first ever vegan pork rind and then after that it was we're also having to be lower calories than any other chip on the market right now. You know, and finding those differentiators, like, I think is the key. Because when you go to someone like Shark Tank, they'll tell you, right, I, I went to Open Call years ago, and we didn't get on. And the first thing that they tell you at Open Call is, if you think that your idea is unique, it's not. Yeah. We have heard them all, right? And I remember, like, the, the producer told me that. And I saw the producer years later and i was like yo man i met you in philadelphia years ago and you said this and it's really stuck with me and he's like yeah like do you know how many companies i find that are doing x y and every 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 you know every audition we have we have 35 45 the same company you well, know with a new cool idea and that's a great business lesson because and i can't remember where i read this or heard this um but you know, they, the, the idea was you got to be 10 times different and everyone's got, whether it's a SaaS platform or a bag of chips, it doesn't matter. People think they're way more different and unique and special than they are. And, and mm -hmm. you've got to be way different. So I think that the differentiator factor don't, you know, the fact that snacks is irrelevant. It's true. Any business. Um, it's a great lesson. Final question. Where is the best place for people to buy the product and how can they follow you on social media? Oh, okay. So Eat Snacklins uh, is the handle for all social media. So Eat Snacklins. Um, Snacklins.com. We got a great store locator. We are expanding. So definitely, you know, it's, it's probably easier for you if you're in the mid-Atlantic, northeast, kind of, we call it the Amtrak corridor or in Southern California. But uh, anywhere between, we do, you know, Amazon, Shopify, we've got you taken care of. And I can also give you guys a little bonus. Uh, be watching out for it we will be releasing a limited time offer churro. I'm not supposed to say that yet, but we're releasing Ooh. churro uh, in a few months. And so that's what we're very excited about too. But very my marketing team will yell at me for spilling the beans, but I don't care. <laughs> oh, well, hey, this was awesome. We know you're a busy guy. Get back to work. We'll be following along on the journey. And uh, we so appreciate your time, Sammy. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Sammy's great. He is great. Great conversation. Uh, really, really cool entrepreneur. What'd you learn? A couple things. First and foremost, um, he went back to school. He wasn't afraid to mm -hmm. um, admit, become a conscious and competent, admit what you don't know. He went back to school. I love that. Uh, he has an amazing team. He has a lot of intentionality behind the way he builds his team. Love the fact that employees own 10% yep. of the business, yep. if, if that's viable and possible. For it creates company. a way different culture. Yeah, they're, they're completely invested Oh yeah, in the business. Oh, I wish my employees had an ownership mindset. I wish they cared as much as I do. Then make them an owner. Yeah. It's really not that complicated.
if that's what you need to get them to take ownership, then you do it. Um, also, I thought the last thing I thought was interesting is he was aware enough, he had enough acuity of his strengths and weaknesses, Tom, to step out of the CEO role. And that is very difficult to do. Uh, we have seen people not step out of the CEO role after the company was at a certain point, and they probably should have. And in some cases, we know it costs them their opportunity to exit, have a fat exit, um, and it can really your weaknesses not identified can really bog down the growth of the company. Yeah, I mean, at some point, if you really want to scale a business, you can't control everything. You've got to surround yourself with great people. They've got to have an ownership mentality. Uh, you have to be able to trust them because you're not great at everything, nor do you have the time to do everything at a very, very high level. So you need to relinquish control, but you can't do that unless the systems, processes, and people are in place. And again, that's why I love the 10%. And you because, can't do it if your uh, ego's inflated. Well, yeah, or, or and your ego's inflated because you think you're the only one that can do something or nobody can do it as well as you. Maybe they can't, but who cares? And in the weak areas, you can find people that can do it way better than you. Um, make sure your team has everything they need. And if you manage one person or 100 people, that should be one of your mantras is, do my people have everything they need to be successful? Do they have the best equipment? Do they have the best information? Um, you know, If you have people working in a factory, do they have the right equipment and the right attire? I mean, I, I don't care what role you're talking about. Does my CFO have everything they need to be successful? Do they have the, the best computer? Do they have a nice office? Do they have the right technology? I mean, any position, are they set up for success? And, and if they're not, how can I support them? Um, because, you know, for a couple thousand dollars, maybe then you can give someone everything they need to be successful. Why would you skimp on these things? I think that's really important. And then, you know, we hear this a lot, but constantly learn. You know, he's, he's a learner. It's not, hey, I figured everything out. I know everything. My product's great. I'm great. No, it's what do I need to learn? What are my gaps? And, and, and then, you don't even have a choice. You have to be a lifetime learner, especially in the area of technology, because so many things are shifting and changing every, almost weekly. Everything changes. Retail changes. Technology changes. Uh, the widgets that we use in our business change. People change. Hiring practices change. Facebook advertising changes. I mean, the the... the speed at which things change in business now is just insane. So you have to learn. You know, you I don't know what industry you can just kind of, oh, okay, I'll just keep doing things the way I am. Maybe if you're not trying to scale a business, you know, you can get away with that. But if you really are in growth mode and you really want to build something, if you're not learning and getting better faster, someone's going to kick your ass because they are doing it. So, all right. Great interview. Uh, Sammy's great. Great product. Uh, really cool guy. I love the employees owning the company. I'm glad he got a deal. A lot of good lessons there. I'm, I got to go. I'm, I'm late for my mid-morning snacklins meal. It's actually true. Guy snacks all day. <laughs> got to have some snacks in between those sandwiches. All right. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. 